Welcome to Answers from Antioch. You have joined us at the intersection of God's Word and today's world. This broadcast is brought to you by the Antioch Baptist Church in Bristol, Virginia. Join us as we examine information that impacts the church, the Christian, and the Christian home. Hello, everyone. Thanks so very much for tuning in on this Sunday evening. What a blessing to be together. Thank you for allowing me some time with you. My co-host, Josh Davis, is with us, and we're grateful that we have the privilege of being with you. And let me say a great uh, thank you to those who may write to us, call us, email us, uh, text us, however you get in touch with us. Thank you for being there. Facebook us, however We're grateful for that. And those that listen to our podcast, even we've heard from those around the world and got reports from the podcast reaching all the way around the world. We're grateful for what our Lord is doing there. But very thankful for all of you. Now, a lot of info we want to share with you during this time and our 30 minutes when we, as we say in our introduction, answers from Antioch, when we take today's news through a biblical perspective And uh, what do we see? What's going on? It always gives us the right understanding and the correct perspective. So you and I will know how we should respond and how our actions should be. The Word of God is never wrong when we take a look at it and understand what God is directing us to do and guiding us to do. Well, first of all, I'd like to just talk for a few minutes about what's happening there in Iran There's a revolution going on, and I support it. I'm telling you, that's been an extremely oppressive regime over there since uh, the revolution in 1979. I remember when that happened very well, and the Christians were put under great, great persecution then and continually have in Iran, and women have been oppressed unbelievably and this revolution's taking place now, and I support it. I'm telling you that. I do support it because it's time this stopped. Just stop it. And we as believers, we as Christians, ought to realize this is something that needs to be done. Now, there is a prophetic view here that we need to look at. The reason I brought this up, not only do I support the revolution that's going on there and the uh, respect of women that should be there and all around the world. Well, here in America, we're lessening our respect of women and all this transgender craze and all of this uh, elevation of the transgenders and the oppression of women. Boy, here in America, I wonder when the women are going to rise up and say, we won't have it stop this stuff. It's against us. Maybe that'll come through what's taking place in Iran. I hope so. But prophetically, I want you to look in Ezekiel 38 and 39 now for just a few minutes. Look at this and look at the two prominent nations that's involved in the battle that Bible scholars call the Battle of Gog or the Battle of Gog and Magog in Ezekiel 38 and 39. Here is Russia, and all Bible scholars I've ever read after agree that this is Russia that's symbolized here in Ezekiel 38 and verse number 2. Son of man, set thy face against Gog, who is the ruler, the land of Magog, Russia, and the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, 
and prophesy against him, and say, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I am against thee, O Gog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tabal, and I will turn thee back, and put hooks into thy jaws, and I'll bring thee forth, and all thine army, going to bring all the army down. And then they're going to, in verse number 5, the next nation that joins them, the most prominent nation next to Russia is Persia, which is modern-day Iran. So here we are. In these days, we have Russia and Iran, the two most prominent nations of this confederacy, mentioned in Ezekiel 38 and 39 in this battle. And this battle is not the battle of Armageddon. It's very clear that it isn't because it doesn't involve all the nations in the world. The battle of Armageddon involves the nations of the world in under the command of the Antichrist. But this battle takes place right at the beginning of the tribulation period or right before the rapture. This battle here that's mentioned in Ezekiel chapter 38 and 39. This battle takes place. And isn't it interesting that at this time of life and this time of age and at this time spiritually, we are watching these two nations, the most prominent nations that is in the news now. Russia with its war against Ukraine, Iran with this revolution going on and gaining support and momentum uh, from many others. And as I said, I support these women in that 100%. These Christians, the Christians in Iran are supporting this revolution as well. And certainly they should. America could at this time say, hey, the nuclear deal is off if you don't if you don't allow these women to have their liberties, and if you don't allow this uh, law change here, we're not going to have any kind of a nuclear agreement. I doubt the Biden administration would do that. They're pro, literally pro-Iranian in many things, and also we see them pro-transgenderism, which is against women totally against women. Women's sports are going to suffer. It's just against women. And But anyway, we're not going there. What I am going to call your attention to is that biblically, right now, for the first time in history, we have Russia and Iran joining together as the prominent, uh, can we say it this way, the prominent sources of news and information that the world is watching at this time. You see Russia in the news every day. You won't hear a news commentary but what Russia and Ukraine are mentioned. Also now, you won't hardly hear a news commentary but what Iran and the revolution is mentioned. So what is so interesting to me is the two of these being the major players in this battle in Ezekiel 38 and 39, major players here, and they're in the news together. Now, Matthew 24, our Lord says that at the time of the end, the time of his second coming, at these end-time events, he says there will be wars and rumors of wars. And here Ezekiel talks about this particular war, and we know it, it has to be identified at the time of the rapture, immediately before the rapture, 
or immediately following the rapture, we see this. And ladies and gentlemen, that just tells me how close we are, I believe, to the coming of the Lord, to the rapture of the church, all these signs coming together. Jesus is returning. Let us not forget that. Not only not forget it, let us be more expectant than ever because our Lord does expect us to look up because our redemption draweth nigh. Hallelujah. Yes, our redemption draweth nigh. Hey, another great study came out this week is that among young people that they have found that those young people who are involved in church, involved in religious activities and worship and spiritual enjoyment and spiritual worship, those individuals in young people are much more mentally alert and aware and mentally strong than others. They said it's been a great blessing to young people to get involved in religious activities, not just the activities, but have a relationship. And certainly the most rewarding thing that any person can have is a relationship with Jesus Christ, the only true and living God, the Lord Jesus, have a relationship with Him. And now these studies reveal that they're more mentally alert, they're more mentally healthy and emotionally healthy as young people are involved in this. So I say to our church, I say to your church and all that may be listening, let's do everything we possibly can to get these young people in a relationship with Jesus Christ, to get the gospel message out there to them and to get them involved in the church because they are stronger emotionally, mentally, spiritually, of course. We know that. That's understood. But just their mental health so greatly is improving for those, as the study shows, for those who are involved in church, in religious activities, in organizations, and in worship. And uh, that's good news. I like that. And it encourages me and should encourage you to let's get our children, our young people, get them in the church, get them active, let them be part of it. Uh, suicide among teens is skyrocketing. I mean, it's it's skyrocketing, friend. And the poor, poor, poor transgender folk are nine times more likely to commit suicide than others, nine times more likely. And so we want to get people in the church Get them in a relationship with Jesus Christ because that will be not only their eternal salvation, but save them from the attacks of Satan today. Save them mentally, emotionally, physically, and eternally. May the Lord let you and I see how important it is for us to do that. Hey, something else I want to get to real quickly before... Josh comes, and that is that I'm hoping that Bristol, Virginia, will become a safe haven for babies. We know that Tennessee is, Bristol, Tennessee, 
is a safe haven for babies. Hallelujah for that. Russell County, Virginia uh, passed legislation there, voted that they would be a, a sanctuary and a safe place for the unborn. And I want Bristol, Virginia to do the same thing. The uh, city council meets this Tuesday. I think they'll consider this uh, legislation or this question. Will they declare the city of Bristol, Virginia a safe haven for the unborn? I sure hope so. Down at Bristol City Hall, they'll meet this Tuesday. I think the meeting's at 5 o'clock is when it begins. And I'm telling you, I sure hope that they will do that. I encourage them to do it. Uh, the city of Bristol is known as a good place to live. Well, I would like for that to stay the same because if Bristol, Virginia does not protect the unborn as a city, then it won't be a good place to live. It could be called by some who are pro-abortionists a good place to die. Go to Bristol, Virginia to kill babies. No, no, no. Let's go to Bristol because it's a good place to live. Absolutely. So I believe the city council will talk about that this coming Tuesday night at Bristol City Hall. So uh, let's you and I pray that God will intervene in a special way here and uh, that Bristol, both Virginia and Tennessee, uh, can be declared a safe haven for the unborn, for the babies. How important that is. Hey, I see my time is uh, slipping away here. I want, uh, I want Pastor Josh to come and to share some great information with you as well. Thank you, Pastor Brad, and thank you to our listening audience for tuning in. If you're just joining us, you are listening to Answers from Antioch, brought to you by the Antioch Baptist Church in Bristol, Virginia. You can visit us on our website at antiochbristol.com. There you will find full past episodes of this program that you can share with others or go back and listen to it again. You can also find our full-length sermons, whether that be video or audio version for download, as well as other links and ways that you can connect with us. We want to extend an invitation to you to some special upcoming events that we have going on in our community and at our church. Coming up on Sunday, November the 6th at 4 p.m., there will be a Prayer in the Park prayer rally service. Several churches coming together on that Sunday to simply seek the Lord in prayer on behalf of our country. You know, the important midterm elections are happening that following Tuesday, November 8th. This service is not a political rally, but it is a prayer rally. You see, we believe that God is in control and that we can seek Him in prayer. And that as we look back over our nation's history, when God's people begin to really get serious and repent of our, our sins and get right with God ourselves, as Second Chronicles 7.14 admonishes us to do, we have seen God step in in our nation's history and bring a great move of His Holy Spirit. And that is simply the impetus, the motivation for this prayer rally, Sunday, November the 6th, 4 p.m. 
at the Cumberland Square Park in downtown Bristol, Virginia. That's on the corner of Cumberland Avenue and Lee Street, and we invite you to join us there. And if you cannot be there physically, please join us in prayer on that special day leading up to the election November 8th. Also, mark your calendars for Thursday, November the 17th at 7 p.m. We will have the Hoppers singing at Antioch, and we invite you to come. No tickets or reservations are needed. Seating is just first come, first serve, and a love offering will be received. Again, the Hopper family will be singing at Antioch Baptist on Thursday, November 17th, and the service begins at 7 p.m. We're looking forward to a special night of worship, and we would love to meet some of you who are in our listening area. It's not too far of a drive for you. Why don't you come to Bristol that Thursday night and join us for a special night of worship with the Hoppers. Well, I want to speak about the concept of drifting away, the danger of drifting. Uh, We see this from institutions. We see this in churches. We see this in families. We see this in individuals, in our relationship with God. It's so easy to drift away from Him. That's why the hymn writer included, Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. There is something within the human heart, and it's our sinfulness, our sin nature that is drawing us, pulling us, drifting away from the Lord, away from His truth. Let me illustrate what I'm talking about and point out some of the ways that we see this happening in our world today. Let me bring you up to speed on how Harvard was founded. Did you know that Harvard had a very Christian foundation. Yes, the very same Harvard University that is still there outside of Boston, Massachusetts. This is their original motto. It it was translated from the Latin, truth for Christ and church. Let me read that again. Did you realize that? You may have never heard this truth before, but Harvard's original motto, translated from the Latin, Truth for Christ and Church. Now they have shortened that to simply veritas, which is translated truth. And we can say that I don't believe they really even know what truth is. Harvard University was founded in 1636, and the intention in establishing this school was to train Christian ministers as a, can we call it a Bible college? Can we call it a, a preacher school? That's where Harvard University got its start. In accordance with their vision, Harvard's rules and precepts that was adopted in 1646 stated, and I'm going to quote for you what their original rules and precepts in 1646 stated. And this is just part of it. This is not the totality of it, but it says, Just to give you flavor for where Harvard began, let every student be plainly instructed and earnestly pressed to consider well. The main end of his life and studies is to know God 
and Jesus Christ, which is eternal life, John 17, verse 3, and therefore to lay Christ in the bottom as the only foundation of all sound knowledge and learning. And seeing the Lord only giveth wisdom, let every one seriously set himself by prayer in secret to seek it, speaking of wisdom, to seek it of him. Proverbs 2, verse 3, end quote. How has Harvard drifted so far away from where they began in 1646 to today in 2022? We see that they have moved so, so, so far away from this. Let me continue reading this and you can see even further illustration of what I'm speaking about. Quote, Everyone shall so exercise himself in reading the scriptures twice a day that he shall be ready to give such an account of his proficiency therein, both in theoretical observations of language and logic and in practical and spiritual truths as his tutor shall require according to his ability. Seeing the entrance of the word giveth light, it giveth understanding to the simple. Psalm 119, verse 130, end quote. Do you understand what I just read? I hope you do. At Harvard University, the students were expected and required to read their Bibles twice a day, and they were uh, to be held accountable by their tutors, we can say by their professors, so that even in general conversation, the professor could ask the student, what did you read in your Bible today? What are you learning about God? And it says here, the theoretical observations, the the structure of Scripture, the doctrine of Scripture, but also the practical applications. Are you drawing closer to the Lord? And professors at Harvard University would instruct students in the Word of God and help them to understand God's Word in a greater way. And how long has it been since Harvard University ever had any of these kinds of requirements today? They have drifted in the total opposite direction. If the founders of Harvard University could see what was happening to the institution that they founded today, they would be shocked. I believe that they would break down weeping and perhaps even in righteous indignation would lambast the leaders of the institution for their stances on so many things that are ungodly, unbiblical, promoting unrighteousness. And I'm not just lambasting Harvard. All the others have done the exact same thing. Columbia University, for example, in their original motto, which is still on the university seal, is translated, quote, In thy light we shall see light, end quote. A strictly Christian reference at Columbia University in New York. How the times have changed, how we have drifted away from God, away from His truth. And dear friends, if we do not pass on our convictions to the next generation, 
that drift is to be expected, whether that be in our local church, whether that be in our family, uh, whether that be in these institutions like these universities. We have got to be sure to pass on the convictions that we hold, the truth that we understand from Scripture. We've got to find a way to pass that truth on to the next generation and to instill in them these biblical values, these biblical principles. We see this happening in our world today. The Southern Baptist Seminary, headed by Dr. Albert Moeller, took a strong stand this past week. I'm not sure if you're aware of this or not, but they came out with a strong statement saying that they hold to the traditional biblical viewpoint that only males can serve as pastors. And I applaud them for taking this stand in light of those that are drifting away. And why do we hold this stand? Is it so we can just be cranky old men? No. It's because we believe that it flows out of the understanding of Scripture. If you look in passages like the uh, pastoral epistles of First, Second Timothy, and Titus, there are passages that are devoted to explaining who a elder should be. In other words, who a pastor should be, the qualifications for those pastors. And all throughout there, it is strictly male, uh, male language referred to and it talks about the husbands of one wife, for instance. And so it's the function, as the Southern Baptist Seminary pointed out in their statement, it's both the function and the role of pastor that is fulfilled by males, by men. And that's why we hold to this. But in this day and age that we live in, pragmatism is a driving force. What works, irregardless of what is true, irregardless of what is biblical, irregardless of, of what thus saith the Lord, if it works, then it must be good. If it works to build up a crowd, if it works to please my constituents, if it works to make me happy, then it must be good. It must be true. Dear friend, nothing can be further from the truth. We cannot allow our feelings to guide our decisions. We cannot allow our feelings to propel us into making landmark decisions for our own selves, for our own family, for our churches, for these kinds of institutions. So many people would rather be right with the world irregardless of whether or not they're right with God. They want to be accepted. They want to be popular. They want to be well-liked. And yes, sometimes when you take a stand for God, when you take a stand for His truth, it cuts across the grain. It goes and it flies in the face of this world. But I would rather be right with the Lord and wrong with everyone else. I would rather be true to God and true to His Word true to his principles, and be wrong with everyone else in this world. In the end, the ones who always stood with God were the ones who come out ahead at the when the dust settled, 
and everything came down to it, you can look from Genesis to Revelation and see example after example after example of what I'm talking about. And if you've read your Bible, you know what I'm saying to you is true. Because God's side is always the side that wins in the end. And we look at the pages of Scripture, how that the Bible closes. Jesus is the ultimate victor. God gets the ultimate victory. I'd rather be right with God than and be wrong with this world if push comes to shove than to drift away from God, than to drift away from His truth. Oh, may God have mercy upon us, upon our churches, upon our institutions. May we see a great move of His Holy Spirit in our generation. Thank you for joining us today. We encourage you to visit our website at antiochbristol.com. There you will find many ways to contact us and connect with us, and so much more. Until next time, stand firm in Jesus' truth.